Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Galaxy Finance. Call them on 1300 91 7740. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Not everyone is comfortable underneath the bright lights, where the spotlight often focuses on the negative. In this amazing interview, you'll meet a very different guy to the one you thought you knew. We know he's talented, he's likeable, honest and caring. He's a, a good bloke. That's our assessment. You be the judge. But who really is Daily Cherry Evans? That's always, um, I don't know why, but it always becomes hard to answer for me because it's it's such a personal question and I don't generally like to give too much of myself publicly, you know. So I guess um, I guess the cliches and the labels that who I am, I guess, well, I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a partner um, and footy player um, and obviously a friend to, I wouldn't say a whole lot of people, but a close close group of friends but I guess the detail that comes with within those labels I guess of the definition of who you are as a person so you know as a father I'd love to think that um, I'm extremely kind and loving um, and nurturing Um, I try to encourage the kids to make mistakes and learn on their own Um, you know life's not perfect and you know you fall into the trap of trying to Live the perfect life uh, gets pretty dangerous there, and I certainly fell into that trap as an adult in my footy career. So, um, yeah, as a, as, a, as a partner, I probably don't express my emotions enough. Um, that's probably one thing that is a downfall. Most men, are, you know, we get stereotyped with it, but I certainly fall into that category. Um, but I do like to think that whenever um, I'm needed upon, I'm there for for my partner, um, and I certainly pride myself on being the provider of the family. Um, and I guess as a footy player, yeah, the I definitely have become uh, quite um, focused in what I want to achieve out of footy. Um, for a long part of my career, I just was going along for the ride. Okay. Uh, just very, you know, I certainly, you know, you don't, you don't just get there by not working hard. So I definitely mm. worked hard, but things did did just come naturally for me. Playing footy just comes naturally to me. So um, over the last probably four years in particular, I've learned a lot about rugby league. Um, I've had some great coaches over the years and I've played with some extremely gifted players and that's all finally, you know, popping up in my head about what that actually meant or what they were trying to explain. So my focus now is to make sure that I'm exerting all this knowledge that I've been passed on by old teammates and and current and old coaches and new coaches. And, yeah, so certainly a focused rugby league player would say where I'm at right now. 
you said you've learned a lot about rugby league over the last few years as you mature on that natural curve. Have you also learned a lot about yourself as a man? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, when I talk about like that, that friendship group that's not as big as people probably assume as um, an NRL player, you think, oh, everyone's going to be mates with him. He's got all this, you know, all these people hanging yeah. off. Well, for me, it doesn't work like that. It's actually become closer because I found who's not in it for the joyride. I found yeah. that who's actually there because they care about if my head's all right, if mm. you know, if I've hurt myself, if I'm genuinely okay. So. Um, that sort of weeding out process in life, not just in footy. Um, I do like the friends I've got. I do like the influence they hold on me and the opinions that we share and differ on. So um, that certainly come with learning and over time and certainly rugby league's a massive part of my life and it's helped me mature in certain ways and picking my friendship group certainly, you know, being, being a process along the way. I've known you for 10 years and I'll admit I, I don't believe I do know the real Daily Cherry Evans, but I know enough of him to know that he does hold back from the public and there's almost a reserved shy side amongst it. Yeah, it's um, it's the opposite of who I am amongst my friends and family and stuff. So um, that's, yeah, it's weird. You know, I, I actually often am in interviews and stuff and you know, a witty remark will come across and I'll just decline the opportunity to say it, you know, because <laughs> um, I do like to have fun. I do like to hang shit on people. Um, I love it when people give it back yeah. to me. That's that's enjoy- That's really enjoyable yeah. for me and it's a big part of rugby league behind the scenes for anyone that knows it. So that side of uh, me certainly hasn't become much of um for the public to see, that's for sure. But I'd like to think that I'd like to have a, a pretty good time and, you know, I give as good as I get, that's for sure. You came through at a time where professionalism off the field was extremely important to the stakeholders. Media training, sponsorship servicing, political correctness, being able to say the right thing at the right time. You've always been extremely well-spoken. Is it easy and natural to get your head around? Yeah, um, I was always not at the not at the start because I was so nervous about um, it was new and anything that's new for me is usually daunting. Um, I am definitely a person that loves to stay in control. So if I'm not in control, I will be nervous. I will be a bit hesitant, and that probably started with media. Right, I got got into it. I saw all the camera, yeah. and I thought, "Whoa, geez." Um, and there was probably a few times mm. early on, mate, where I probably laid out a bit of who I was and it didn't get taken yep. um, the way I thought it would publicly and that's yep. when that's when the walls yep. start to get built up and you go, oh, hang on a minute, um, I've just shown a bit of who I am here mm. and it didn't sit well, so there's no way I'm going to show you more of me because if you don't like it, then I'm going to be absolutely... You know, my head's going to fall off. So, <laughs> um, once that game started, mate, um, and that's the way I took it, I, I started playing it like a game and I thought, well, you know, you want to ask these questions, I'm going to give you the most deadpan answer that I can think of that's not going to upset anyone and it's not going to show you anything. It's just going to be an answer. It's amazing because 50% of fans may say rugby league players are cliched and boring in interviews and 50% will say 
geez, why did he say that? So it doesn't matter what your answer is. The perception is what matters, and the perception is 50% of people aren't going to like what you say on any given answer. Yeah, mate, you've just nailed it for what, for what I believe now, is that I can't make everyone happy. Um, and it took me a while to understand that, and that's where I sort of spoke about the, uh, the old perfection thing earlier. I did start to chase perfection. I wanted everyone to like me. Yep. I wanted everything that I said to be funny or well taken, and I wanted every game to be perfect, all those sorts of things. And then all of a sudden experiences like this are taking place and you just all of a sudden start to realise, well, hang on a minute. I thought I did all right here today. I thought I played a good game and someone's bagged me or, you know, I've said this here and someone still picked it apart. So it took me a while to understand that. Uh, But when I finally did, mate, I feel as though that's when I've been so much more comfortable with um, the way I present myself publicly. Mm. Um, I certainly don't give my whole self, but I certainly have started to open up and show people a little bit more of who I am on a... You know, I guess my rugby league knowledge, uh, my humour, all those sorts of things. I've started to give a little bit more of myself and I found that when I give that, I give it unconditionally. It's not for anyone to judge. It's just showing people this is who I am. And once I understood that I was doing that without any judgement coming back, um, I became a lot more comfortable in my own skin and being myself all the time. So it's worked out. You know, I found out a little bit more about myself and, and the, the world, I guess. I'm 40, uh, sorry, 36 years of age. Uh, <laughs> mate, I still worry and concern myself with what other people say about me and what other people think of me. Their opinions don't hold any weight because I simply don't know them, so they shouldn't be occupying any of my headspace. How difficult or how easy is that for you to dismiss that someone you don't know who has no bearing on your life says something? Does that still hurt or are you able to dismiss it? Yeah, not not the ones that um, I don't know anymore. Those yes. ones don't really get me anymore. Um, it's the, I guess, the people that I do know, whether it's, uh, you know, people involved in the game, whether it's someone in commentary, yep. whether it's uh, an ex-teammate, uh, however it works, if someone actually knows me or has had an opportunity to spend time with me and then still mm. lays in the slipper, then, yeah, that's when you're probably yeah. like, oh, yeah. that, that hurts a bit. I thought I thought I was a bit different than that. But, again, like, it does hurt, like 100% it hurts, but when you wake up the next day and you understand, well, hang on a minute, when was the last time I actually sat down and had a beer with him or a coffee or actually, you know, it's – and then you start to understand, well, oh, hang on, they're not part of my yeah. life anymore, so it's all right. <laughs> Want to know what's coming up on the Legend Series? Stalk us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the Andy Raymond. Mate, we'll go back to the beginning of your league journey and the National Youth Competition began in – 2008, an elite pathways competition at under-20s. Gee, the timing was right for a young footballer like yourself coming through. What are your early memories of 20s footy? Mate, opportunity. That's You just said yeah. it then. The first thing uh, that pricked my ears was this competition was going to start up. Yeah. Um, and it was going to mirror each NRL team. Um, 
at an under 20s level and I just went hang on a minute I'll I'm 18, turn of 19. This is right up my alley. Yeah. Um, at this stage, I'd moved. Um, I was in Mackay at 17, moved to Brisbane at 18 to sort of try and get a bit of footy exposure. Mm. And then this popped up, mate, and I went, "Oh, hang on a minute! Like, I got to play some good footy here and start putting my name out there." And because I knew that was what I wanted to do, I was chasing chasing NRL at a young age. Yeah. Uh, um, and when that happened, um, yeah, I sort of. I knew that that was the next step. I just, yeah, it, like you said, it, as soon as it got mentioned, I just went, "This is the next step for sure." Like I've got to yeah. go, I've got to go chase this, no matter where I end up. The game and NYC has produced some wonderful young footballers from that paddock. We no longer have it. I think it's a disappointment. Would have you liked to see it stay to give the next generation of footballer perhaps a better opportunity, a better pathway to the big time? Yeah. Look, I think. I think there's there's a massive missed opportunity with where we're at as a game to have the the, the tiers of competition. So yep. um, I am a strong believer in having the, the reserve grade competition both in New South Wales and Queensland. So yep. Queensland Cup was a part of my career for that season up yes. at Sunshine Coast. Um, so I got to experience both Toyota Cup, then I got to experience Queensland Cup. So for me, they were both... Uh, really important parts of my development as a player. Certainly the Toyota Cup gave me that exposure on television that I was never used to, Um, doing an interview before a game, stuff like that, you know. So that was a little taste of what I thought was going to be NRL one day. So I I loved it. I got a lot out of it. And I'd also never been, obviously, in an NRL system before. So to be able to brush shoulders every now and then with the first grade boys was unreal. So... Yeah, I'd love to see it come back, mate. I really would, but I just think we can take the best parts of it and what it used to be, yeah. and then um, sink it into to fitting with the reserve grade competition, which I need, which I believe would would have to be a priority based on where our game's at and the development of players and the injuries and the importance of you know the next people that are they're ready to play. You mentioned the Queensland Cup. You were sent off to the Sunshine Coast Falcons in 2010. When you were sent there by Manly, was there a feeling of, oh, no, my chances passed, or did you believe this was just part of the journey? Um, playing reserve grade is definitely, well, for me, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, for me it was a, definitely a mentality shift of, oh, no, I'm in reserve grade. Um, and so there, there was definitely that moment. And, in, and when you're that young, you, you do think you're invincible. You think you're playing good footy. You're ready to play first yeah. grade. And I was no different. I certainly thought I was up for it. But um, Des was the coach at the time back then and, um, you know, made it pretty clear that that was the next progression for me was to see me play against um, grown yeah. men um, up in the Queensland Cup. Um, you know, a very um, – well, it has become a, quite a prestigious competition within Australian rugby league. Yeah. So. He wanted to see me up there and um, it's funny, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, about halfway through the year, I'd started to play some really good footy up there and at our club we'd had some uh, injuries uh, and potential rep players with Foz, Hocko, City Country, all this sort of stuff. Yep. And I mustered up the courage and I've walked across the field at training and to see Des. Mate, can I have a chat to you? <laughs> I said, just, you know, with the way I'm playing, there's a few injuries, a bit of rep footy coming up. There might be a chance. And he goes, mate, you're not going to play this year. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he said, I just need you to go up there and keep developing, mate. And, um, oh. you know, we'll look at it again next year. And it absolutely crushed me. <laughs> you turned around with your tail between your legs and walked back across the field. <laughs> I just, just looked at the boys and went, nah. <laughs> what were your first impressions of Des? Oh, I was extremely intimidated by him. Yeah. I was intimidated by him. But with that being said, I also really loved the way he challenged me and, and other teammates. Mm. Um, coming up in uh, through my childhood and with coaches, I found the best way for me to get a, a response to someone helping me was to be direct, literally yep. tell me, mate, you're not doing this. Um, maybe you should try this more or less of this. And when I got that feedback, I feel like that's that's the way I work best with honesty, directness. Okay. Yeah, so... And Des did that. Des did that really well. He was real direct and, you know, moments like that, nah, yeah. mate, you're not playing, just keep going up there and <laughs> buying your trade. <laughs> and um, and I did. Like, I feel like that's also a part of me that I pride myself on is that I don't kick stones. I am an optimist. Yeah. And I went, do you know what? Well, I'm going to have a year of footy that next year you're not going to be able to pick anyone else. I'm going to play that good. You seemingly have always played with that, level of self-confidence and conducted yourself with a level of self-confidence even as a young bloke March 12 2011 was there confidence or an element of self-doubt when you made your NRL debut against Melbourne um it was initially it was definitely um a bit of doubt on the day yeah so it's funny, like, you just don't know. You just don't know. And like I said, I touched on it before, and if it's something new, even though it was still the game of rugby league, it was another new mm. challenge for me. It was rugby yep. league at the highest level, and I didn't know if I was up for it. And it wasn't until I got uh, out there and the game started, and within five or ten minutes, as hard as they were to tackle and as fast as it all was, um, it just became another game of footy for me. So I didn't play extremely well that day. We lost... I think 14-6, yep. um, but I just knew walking off that day, you know, we've just played Melbourne and yep. it was hard. They, they they beat us, but I just knew, all right, I can get I can get the hang of this. And, yeah. Some players have a feeling of belonging straight away. Amazingly, Gordon Tallis told me on episode one recently, he didn't feel like he belonged in first grade for the first five years of his career. By that stage, he had played State of Origins, he had won a premiership and he had played for Australia, yet he still didn't feel like he belonged. Did you? Yeah, well, that's interesting to hear Gordy say that because obviously my public perception of Gordy, I don't know Gordy well, is he is an extremely big, strong um you know, he just looks like he's got his feet on the ground and nothing faces him. So that's so funny to hear that. But And an air of confidence uh, and belief about him. Oh, yeah. mate, he, yeah, he oozes it when he was on the footy field. But, yeah, that's interesting. I guess for me, like I said, that first initial game, I had my doubts about what it was all about and how good I was going to be or not be. And, yeah, like I said, if I'm honest now, after that, I... I knew I was just that's that that's all I was going to do. I've um I'm a very goal driven sort of okay. person. Like I said, I'm focused. I know what I want to achieve. Um, so for me, people talk about just playing one game. I knew I was always playing more than one game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've always thought bigger than just one game. So when I got there, I guess for me to achieve my next goals, which 
instantly became, all right, now I'm playing NRL. I want to play referee. Yeah. So that for me in my head happened very quickly. So um, I knew that if that's what I was going to achieve one day, I couldn't be mucking around just getting through first grade game yeah. and just being mediocre. So um, I I probably had a bit more of a an attack sort of mentality when it came to what I wanted to achieve as a footy player and I knew I had to feel comfortable or else it wasn't going to happen. Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. That side of 2011, an amazing team, amazing teammates, a few old heads, a lot of youngsters, local boys, talent, and a large portion of the team probably playing career-best football. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> one thing that I always look at, whether it's our side or the other 15 teams, when it gets to the grand final, I always look and say, 1-17, to 17, how many have they got playing career best footy? Because yeah. that for us was the year where we had, I can't even think of anyone who wasn't playing good footy. Everyone was just doing their best. And, yep. you know, you sort of, I guess when, when I sort of try to break it down, how are you playing your best footy? Well, you're extremely comfortable in your environment. You're extremely comfortable with your teammates. Um, the game plan obviously has flexibility for everyone to thrive. So, mm. you know, we had a coach that was steering us. Um, you know, it just, it's the perfect recipe, right? It's a premiership. And that yeah. year we had everyone just in sync and it was a really enjoyable time. I guess that sort of gets left a bit, left, left behind a bit is the enjoyment factor. Um, yep. Bloody hell, we had some good weekends together, and uh, and okay. you know it was just a good place to be. It was really, really fun. An amazing year. You won the premiership. What do you recall of the experience of not just the game, but the whole week of grand final NRL? Yeah, the week, the week in particular, I don't remember too much detail about it. To be fair, um, the game, I, the game, I remember. Um, reasonably well because we started at daylight. Um, it was one of the one of the last ones I think maybe that played in. We started in the afternoon and transitioned into a twilight grand final. So um, to run out sunshine in uh, packed yeah. house at ANZ Stadium, very very special. Still remember that moment singing the anthem and stuff. Um, and then after it, you just overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah, all men hug, hugging each other. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty weird, a man love. It, isn't it? You know, a lot of man love. It's great, but um, yeah, that, that I still remember the actual game itself quite clearly. Actually, like I was lucky enough to score a try, and it's yes. like time stood still, mate. Like it's so funny if I ever see it on a telly. I just got this. It happens in my head, and I can just see it. Uh, it's wow. so bizarre. It's such a special moment, and I guess. My brain has just gone, you are not going to forget this moment. Bang, it's lodged there. <laughs> so it's re- I'm really lucky I've got that memory. Yourself and Kieran Four and 21, 22 years of age became the youngest halves since the great 
Brett Kenny and Peter Sterling to win a premiership. Pretty fair company right there. It was. I, I still remember the, uh, the, the, the stat comparison at the time because I was a para fan coming through. So I was extremely humbled to be, <clears throat> you know, we were certainly weren't in the same um, echelon of those, those two players, but we, were, we had a stat that matched them, which was yeah. <laughs> amazing. So um, we had a great connection. Um, we still talk now. So, and we, and we talk about how lucky we were to be yeah. involved in a side that had such great players. Um, we, we don't take that for granted for one second. Um, as much as we feel as though we played a part in it, um, we know in particular how important our forward pack was that year. It was unbelievable, mate. They were, um, they were extremely intimidating. And then the class of our, our back line was as good as, they're, yeah, as, good as you're going to see. So, um, yeah. yeah, me and Foz... We, we pinch ourselves still that we got to come through in such a great side. The halves, the six and the seven in any side we have heard for decades, they run the side. Is it difficult for a young guy to command respect of his teammates and show confidence in doing that? Is it daunting or, or was it daunting for you? Um, it was a little bit, yeah, for sure. At the start, um, again, because, you know, these people have done so much in the game. They'd already won a grand final. Um, they were regularly popping up in finals, top four, all that sort of stuff. So uh, we both knew that they they had a way that had already worked. So we obviously didn't want to rock the boat in that regard. But one thing that we were encouraged to do from Des and the older boys was to be ourselves and to play a style of footy that was going to help us play good footy because they knew the importance of everyone playing well, you know. So... Um, I guess that once I got my head around that, which was pretty quickly, to be fair, because they were so direct and encouraging with it, um, once I knew that I just had to yeah. play my own game and fit into that team, you know, with with my strengths and their strengths, once we figured that out, for me it was a combination thing with um, Brett, Glenn, Jamie Lyon and whoever was on the wing at the time, which was a combination of the Wolfman and Will Hopawati. She's an amazing group of footballers there. Does... Does responsibility and leadership sit well with you? My answer as an observation of you is yes. I think it, from where I sit, it's a it's probably a natural personal trait of yours. Um, I think now I can admit yes. I, I do feel as though I hold some natural attributes that, yeah. you know, people reference as leadership. So, um, but the actual title and the label of it all um, – it scared me a yeah. lot, and it, and it for uh, as long as I can remember, uh, I didn't want to be captain of any side. Um, for the life of me, I didn't want it. Um, there was a period there where yeah. Jamie Lyon was in his sort of injury retirement year, mm. um, and Jake and Jamie Vera were sort of co-captaining through the year, and then you know everyone kept asking that next season, well, who's going to be Manly's captain moving forward, and. For anyone that would ask me, I didn't want it. I just I didn't want the label. Yeah. I knew I knew I could still help the team. I knew I could still be a leader. I could I was still the halfback, yeah. so I was naturally going to be in in around everything. So, but the actual title itself, I just was like, nah, this it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't fit right. And I'm happy to further like my leadership, but I don't need that. Jake can have that. You know, whoever they wanted to pick. And, Baz came to the club 
Um, he was at the club at that stage. Um, he had the year, and then um, it was a it was a funny time in my life. I had a massive, um, I had a light bulb moment, I guess, and um, my mentality as a football player shifted dramatically. Um, and off the back of that, um, I probably came back a different person to that preseason. Um, and Baz saw that in me without even we didn't even speak about it, but he he could see it. And he challenged me the year before and I didn't really think much of it, but it sort of all snowballed and I came back and he goes, mate, I don't know what you think, but you just, you're the perfect person for the job. And I said, oh, are you sure about this? And he goes, I've been watching you for the last six weeks. He goes, I'm not sure about anything like you're the bloke for the job. You just got to believe it. And I went, all right, sweet. And once he gave me the confidence that that was the right thing to do, yeah, you know, I just ran with it. And like I said, I had a bit of a mind shifts, mindset shift in that in that preseason, in that off season, and um, from there it was yeah, it really snowballed. What was the mind shift? What was the light bulb moment? Um, I was in the first year of my new deal. Yep, the new deal I'd signed, and I'd copped a heap of criticism yep. and all the stuff that came with it. Um, and for that season of 2016, instead of me saying, I'm going to justify this, I'm going to be the person that everyone wants me to be, I mm. went the other way and I said, I don't really care. Yep. I don't really care. I'm just playing footy. I'll do my thing. Um, I got injured twice that year, uh, played pretty ordinary year of footy, and by the end of it, I wasn't. Um, I didn't even get picked for the Prime Minister's side, which, um, you know, nothing against anyone else who got picked that year, but... I was on holiday and I saw the side and I went, wow, you, from where you've been and what you've been able to achieve in such a short time, that young motivated kid that come to first grade and said, I'm playing for Australia, I'm playing for Queensland, I'm playing as much NRL as I can, um, that, that moment humbled me. Yeah. And I went, I, had a, I just sat there and I went, what do you want to be when this is all said and done? Yeah. And... I sort of just agreed with myself that day that I, I don't know what I'm going to be when I finish. I don't know how many games I'm going to play. But one thing I am going to do is I'm not going to leave another preseason year. Um, I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm not going to waste my teammates' time. I'm not going to waste my time and my family's time. Um, and I said if I, did, if I did that, if I knuckled down and trained as hard as I possibly could and was focused, committed, um, um, eager to learn more, <clears throat> if, that, if that works the way I think it could, then that will give me the spark I need. And I, had, um, I got given the captaincy, yeah. had a great year, um, started to get spoken about in origin and it all started to come back and I just went, well, this is no secret. Yeah. Like, just freaking work hard, you idiot. Care about it, <laughs> and I do now. And that's it. One, I enjoy it. I I thoroughly enjoy training and and you know playing footy. Uh, but the 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 process of it now it excites me. It really does. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. 
You mentioned Origin 2013, you got your chance. So I know you're another crazy Queenslander. What did it mean? Away from the cliches, away from the political correctness, what did it mean to Daily Cherry Evans, the fella, to hear your name read out in a Queensland squad? Mate, so this is straight away, like I'm not even joking, this, for me at the time, it was just like, yeah, this is all just a part of the process. Like that's how... That's how insanely driven I was that I was going to achieve all of these things without anyone getting in my way. Um, Mm. So I I definitely enjoyed it. Make no mistake about that. I was so appreciative that they picked me at such a young age and early in their career and stuff. Um, So I've always, always loved Mel for that, that he just went, you know what, this guy's playing great footy. I've just got to pick him. So always have so much time for Mel for doing that, but, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Running out onto Suncorp Stadium for your debut and the crowd getting behind you. Oh, mate, chills, yeah. just chills down the back of your neck. It's it's such a cool moment. Um, and we were lucky enough to win that game in the next game and clinch the series. So that was just a whirlwind series and something that I'll never forget again just because of how special it was. But um, there's no, maybe for other people, Origin, you know, there's, People talk about how special each moment is. Uh, after having, after getting dropped and getting recalled, that moment's more special than my debut. Is it really? Yeah, it is, mate, because everything, like I said, happened so naturally for me the first time. I had to work so frigging hard to get back yeah. there. It's when you really have to work for something in life, you, you really appreciate it more. So I think about how hard I and I don't get me wrong like I, I sort of play it off like things just happened like that when I came through yeah. like I was I was working hard but there's just something about it when it gets taken away from you and you've got to start at the bottom again and go all the way back it's yeah it's um it's a personal achievement it is mate it is you just you're yeah, you're really grateful that all of that work that you've put in the sacrifices, the time away from home, the time spent at training, all of it finally accumulated to you achieving the goal that you want you set out for. It's bloody rewarding. Your origin career, it was subjected to rumour and innuendo for a couple of years, and I call bullshit on all of it because I actually do know the truth and the facts. You were never, ever on the outer as such. That's fact. From uncomfortable gossip to reality, how proud were you as this journey continued to be named Queensland captain? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that was a special moment because of everything that's happened before. You know, it's by that stage I was, um, I had become extremely sort of um, motivated to become more than just the manly captain. Yep. Uh, I had a, I didn't know when it was going to happen or how it was going to happen. I just, mm. yeah, I just knew that one day I wanted to captain Queensland. After having that um, achievement done at Manly and the mindset shift, like I said, yeah. I'm open to this now. How good is this? Um, to to for it to happen, I got back into that Origin side um, in Game Three, and then the following year, um, a few pieces, you know, fell fell before me, and I'm named captain. I didn't feel as though it was the wrong choice, though. Um, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel as though um, someone else should have got it. Yeah, I just knew where I'm at, where I was at at that time and where I've come now. 
I do believe I'm the right man for the job and um, I do believe that with the help of the squad this year, we're going to be able to achieve a series win and I'll I'll get to be that lucky guy that gets to hold the trophy up, you know. So um, I love I love the leadership side of the game now. Um, I don't love it more than the actual game. I love playing footy more than anything, but there's these little things that pop up as you get older and you go, oh, hang on, I never knew about that 10 years ago. And it's cool to connect with players and, um, you know, have have different conversations with coaches. Yeah, it's been really intriguing. And the Queensland one has been, um, oh, mate, that's a proper privilege, that one. So, um, yeah, really, really grateful that I've got the opportunity. But now there's that part of me that feels as though the moment's there to repay. You know, you repay with a, a great series um, and get a win. The Gold Coast Titans saga, it played out very, very publicly I'll save you here because we all know the story. We've all heard the story. It happened. Yeah. My question, though, if you look back now, what would you do differently? What would you change? Yeah, I don't know. And I'm not trying to get out of this question, but if I changed anything, it wouldn't put me to where I am right now today. I love it. If there were things done differently, then... I wouldn't have gone through all the shit. I wouldn't have got as much shit publicly. Yep. Um, I wouldn't have, you know, mentally just absolutely eat myself alive. Um, I wouldn't have seen my mum and my family, my partner, absolutely distraught every time something popped up yep. in the paper. I wouldn't. It wouldn't have happened, and I wouldn't have been where I am today. You wouldn't um, be who you are today. I wouldn't be who I am today, and. I am really, really proud of the person I am today. Um, I'm by no means bloody perfect, but I'm a good partner, I'm a good dad, and I like to think I'm pretty decent at footy, and that's all been part of my journey. And we talk about perfection. My career, when you look back, it's not going to be a perfect career. There's going to be a couple of flips on the radar, but yeah. I think they're going to make for some pretty cool stories along the way. So. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything, and that's not because I don't think it went perfectly. Make no mistake. There's a few things that went really ordinary along the way. Um, but it happened for a reason. It just happened for a reason. I do believe that, and um, I feel sorry for people now that still are offended by it or affected by it because we're talking five years later. Yeah. <laughs> so I do feel a little bit sympathetic for people that still say something to me. I just go, oh, you sad, sad human. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned your mum and your wife, and that's the part of uh, elite sportsmen, whether they're players or coaches, that upsets me, is seeing their wives, their partners, their kids, their parents, their family affected by public perception. Is that hard to deal with? Um, it was, yeah. 100% it was hard. Um, you know, you talk about the Titans situation in particular, that's probably been the hardest one over my career. And um, we, had, uh, we had two young kids. We were about 25 and 26 years old. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, all of this stuff was happening around us and we didn't know how to handle it, mate. I don't know if you've got the tools yeah. to handle it at that age, if I'm honest. And, um, yeah, it was really tough, mate. It was really tough. So um, we got through it together, though. Um, yeah. And it's good to have, like, a moment like that where you've gotten through something and you're better for it in the end. And, and we are certainly more resilient for it. 
but it's not fair. It's, you know, back to your part of your question, it's not bloody fair. It's not. It's not. Um, I've always said if you have a crack at someone about the way they play footy and they've had a shock, it will so be it. That's that's probably part and parcel of the game of professional rugby league. You're susceptible to criticism on your performance. Uh, but when we cross the boundaries and we start to dig and yeah. question their character and question who they are, and yeah, that's yep. that's murky waters for me. I'm not sure about that. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five star rating and review. Best weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Now, don't dare give me one of your media train lines here. <laughs> what I want to know is what was the best sledge you copped from either a player or a fan following the Titans issue? Was there something that stood out where you even had to have a chuckle to yourself and think, okay, that's not a bad get? Uh, nothing's coming to mind. Nothing's coming to mind, if I'm completely honest. Um like obviously, there's a lot of money, lot of money chat thrown at me and stuff like that. So yeah. that's not too bad. Um, no, mate, I honestly don't think there's really too many because um, all it was is just people teasing me about how much money I was on. So yeah, it's <laughs> as much as they were trying to sledge me. My teammates were looking at me going, "It's not the worst thing in the world, is it?" <laughs> <laughs> So it's hard because they probably were meaning it to be pretty cruel, but I don't know. It just wasn't, yeah. It just wasn't. Do you consider yourself mentally strong as the young man you are in 2020? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's one of my best attributes as a person. Um, But sometimes our biggest strengths are our biggest weakness, if I'm honest, Andy. So as mentally tough as I am, I feel like, that's sometimes detrimental to my relationship at home is because if we're trying to argue, if we're trying to talk and we're arguing, <laughs> I am the person that I can just go bang. Yep. We're not talking and I won't talk. And she'll poke and prod, come on, we've got to get, you know, what's going on here? Bang. Well, so that, and that's from, that's not just for her, that's for anyone. If I start to go down a yep. confrontational path, argumentative, if it's not of interest to me and I don't want to express, I, I'd i like to think I'm bloody world-class at just going, yep. all right, sweet, cut. <laughs> so it's not not a good thing sometimes because that's one thing I don't want my kids to ever have is that I want my – I've got three girls. I want my girls to express when something's wrong. I want them to be able to express when things don't feel right. And at the moment, I'm trying to work on giving them better tools than what I'm working with. If you ever figure out the domestic situation and how to win an argument, please let me know and let me know ASAP. I'm still trying to trying to figure that out. I think I'm about 0 and 12 this year, and that and that's a good record. Oh, it's a it's a good way to keep the happy Isn't household. It? I'm told though, the girls, the kids. Um, what do they think of dad? Do, do, do they know dad's famous? Do they, or do they just think every dad's famous and plays football? All right. I'm glad you've asked. I've got a funny story about this one. Um, uh, I've got two girls in school now. And um, 
this was our this was our eldest yep. daughter starting year one, and a teacher sat her down, and she done a little quiz with her just to get her know her students. Um, she's whipped through the quiz in the last question. What's something that no one knows about Navy Cherry Evans? And she said, I'm famous. <laughs> so my, my, my big girls do know who dad is. They know yeah. that, mate, the, the, the boys at school in particular always like, dad, oh, you know, your dad did this on the yeah. weekend, go manly, you know. So, oh, they, mate, they absolutely love it. So um, at the moment it's cute because they're seven and five, yeah. but if they're 17 and 15 and the Boys are still coming up and saying that oh, we got a problem, but it's all right. It's all right for now. Daly, you're 32 in February. In a perfect world, outline your next few years. What happens and where does the journey go? Yeah, um, well, I can answer that because I, like I've mentioned, I'm goal driven. I'm uh, pretty focused yep. on what I want to achieve. Um, I, I, I believe I outplay my current contract. Um, uh, I think I've still got so much more to give the game physically and mentally. Um, I'm extremely motivated to win a premiership at this club. Uh, absolutely no intention to go anywhere else. The time that I've invested here, um, the way that I feel like I give myself to the club, um, I really want that to turn into something extremely special and something that's going to stay on the walls and the banners of that club for a long time. And that's a that's. That's sometimes a bit scary that when you think about it, I'm hinging my hopes on a team, on a team contribution, you know, whereas, yep. you know, sometimes I think why shouldn't I just like make myself more, you know, goal-driven and motivated as to individual accolades and, yep. you know, don't get me wrong, I do want to win some more. Well, I'd love to win, you know, a Daly M. I'd love to be in a situation yeah. to win a, a Clive Churchill again, like, I, w- I do want those. I do get motivated by those, but um, I want to win a comp. Uh, for as long as I've grown up playing this game, like there's a day at the end of the year where there's one team left and they're standing there and that's the most special moment in the game. So I want to go back there. I want to be able to do that and I want to do it with the club that I'm at. So um, that, that's for me. Um, certainly got, um, I guess, on the individual level, I do want to obviously win... Um, State of Origin Series. Um, I, I've got a goal to play uh, World Cup next year, end of next year. Um, yeah. I want to make sure that I'm the halfback that leads Australia to a World Cup next World Cup next year. So that, that's a general outline of where I want to sit, where I see myself over the next couple of years. But to, I guess, as goal driven as I am, I've one thing I've learned to do over the last couple of years in particular, mate, is I'm not putting a limit on anything. I'm not capping myself at any number of games. I'm not capping myself at any number of years. Um, I just know that if I continue to to prepare well, to enjoy the game, to enjoy training with my teammates, if I continue to do that the way I'm doing it, I just know there's longevity involved. Um, so that's going to take care of itself. You just mentioned team goals and team achievements over personal accolades or achievements. And that's one of the hooks that rugby league has always had me because I think 95% of players care about team first and person second. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful for rugby league, but a, a trait to have in society that, that people care about the group that they're in. 
Yeah, well, that's you, you just said it yourself, mate. I feel like that's rugby league. I feel like that's why if you're involved in rugby league at any level, it's why you never want to leave it. It's such a cool place. It's yeah. such a weird environment, but, man, it's a good place to be. And I feel like we've got a really good environment at the moment. So that's why I hope at some stage it transfers into success because I'm having a lot of fun at the club. I'm enjoying the challenges of being the captain, um, the halfback. Uh, I love my job, but I just hope it can transfer into some success soon because there's a lot of people working hard at the club and a lot of good people, like you said. You said at the start of the interview you're very reluctant to give yourself publicly. I feel grateful to know the real DCE and I hope our listeners have seen through the window into the footballer, but more so the man you have just given yourself publicly for 50 minutes. You're a beauty, Daily Cherry Evans. You, sir, are a legend. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Legend Series. Throughout the month of September, we're dropping a new episode every third day. Be sure to subscribe to Andy Raymond Unfiltered wherever you're listening. And to ensure you don't miss any news on what's coming up, Follow our social media pages at The Andy Raymond. Dropping Thursdays, starting October 1st, it's The Weekly Wodge. It's a little bit of this, plenty of that. A mix of the serious and the not-so. Interviews, segments, specials and special guests. If you enjoy the lighter side of the wonderful world of sport and fart jokes, you'll enjoy The Weekly Wodge. Come back soon, legends.